1: Hello everyone, welcome again to another edition of Big Chris Live. This is episode number three, titled My Favorite Veteran, recorded on the 10th of November. Unfortunately, in the live setting, this is only half Big Chris Live. I'm recording this message right now after the fact. The first minute, basically my introduction and hello to you, the audience, and then my introduction of my guest uh, was all... Blank. So, for those who are tuning in via the live stream, they had some question marks. Eventually, we got the uh, sound figured out. And my first question for major, retired major Kent Stewart, who's been a longtime friend of mine, he is hands down my favorite veteran. We had a great chat. And my first question for him was, what was happening on the eve of of the very first November the 11th at the tail end of the First World War. What was happening on November the 10th before the treaty? Turns out, a lot.
0: A lot of heavy artillery fire, a lot of uh, final, uh, you know, opportunities to uh, to to capture ground uh, from both sides. But by this time of the war, the the German or the Imperial uh, forces of of Germany were... They were at their wits' end. Uh, they, their resources were extremely uh, used up, almost all used up. And of course, the the surge or the surge of American forces into the war in late 1918 really, you know, really did a number on the on the German forces at that time. And they, and it just it just was it. The writing was on the wall. It was just a matter of time. Uh, but the significance is is that they chose the 11th hour of the 11th day, which was the next day, of course, uh, of the 11th month. And right up until the very last minute, you know, at 10.59 on the 11th, they were still shooting. And then wow. it was, from all accounts, uh, even my great-grandfather writing about... Uh, from the front lines writing about that day when everything fell silent such a such a poignant time in those that were still living and those that were living uh, as civilians and military that time you know when the guns fell silent on that hour everything stopped and can you just imagine it would be like going to a rock concert yeah and you know at at one point in time everything just falls silent and that 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 ringing in your ears is just still continuing on. I mean, it would, it would have been a, an incredible moment in those soldiers' lives. I mean, not only of, of finally it's over, but the silence would have been, you know,
1: in, in a word, deafening. Yeah, the, the loudest thing would have been the silence in that scenario. And yeah, like, exactly. I, I, I love that you know these things, and I didn't even prep you ahead of time on that question. I knew you would know the answer. I knew you would know what happened. What is your favorite piece of military history? Your favorite piece?
0: Oh, my favorite piece. It. It. That's such a. That's a. Another good question, but very broad. I mean, I. I did most of my studying on, on uh, pre-confederation Canadian military history, or you know that that the formation of what we now understand as Canada. So the the uh, the results of the Revolutionary War, the United Empire Loyalists coming across uh, the St. Lawrence and other portions of of uh, eastern Canada, um, the War of eighteen twelve and then uh, activities that led up to Confederation, and actually post-Confederation, you know, 1885, yeah. the Northwest Rebellion, which my regiment uh, took part in, as well as many other regiments that were, that were being formed at the time. Um, so I would say my favorite though, you know, it's one of those weird, wonderful questions, you know, what's your favorite part of, of studying warfare? Um,
1: yeah, I but, mean, it is, a, it is sort of macabre to ask what's your favorite, I guess, in a way, right? I, what's the one that intrigues you the most, maybe, is a better way of phrasing it? I, I, think, I think the War of 1812, because not only,
0: not only is the 11th of November uh, important in our current uh, uh, memory, but mm-hmm. the 11th of November was also a, a pivotal battle that took place on the St. Lawrence, not far from Kingston, uh, in a place called Chrysler's Farm. And this is where a, a, a much smaller British force, and with uh, Canadian Aboriginals, fought off a much larger American force that was coming down the river, uh, with their objective was to actually finally uh, attack the Montreal area. And you know, the Battle of Chrysler's Farm is is synonymous with that, with that War of 1812 piece about Canadians, you know, protecting. They weren't Canadians at the time; they were British subjects, but they yeah, were they yeah. were of Canada. And they were sons and, and and daughters of Canada, and they were they were fighting and, and joining volunteer militias to protect their own, and uh, so it's another it's another period in time which which we don't focus on too much, but I do enjoy researching it. I do enjoy talking about it, and uh, uh, whenever I do get the chance to speak uh, on Remembrance Day to legions or schools, I always bring up the fact about you know 11th of November is also. Uh, a very important date in Canadian history, because it was the Battle of Chrysler's Farm and stopped right. a an invading force of Americans approaching Montreal.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and you mentioned Kingston, and and you live in Kingston, Ontario. That's where I met Kent, was Kingston, Ontario. But you have also lived in New York City, and you were uh, working out of the United Nations at that time. And I always mess up the job title, but it was quite important. <laughs> what was your job title at the United Nations again?
0: Well, I was a military advisor well, at the United Nations for my last yeah. year. I was a military advisor to the Undersecretary General, uh, strangely enough, for the, uh, the, the prevention of sexual exploitation and abuse in the, in the United Nations, which was an interesting job. I was going to say. Uh, the, the four years prior to that, I was the Deputy Military Advisor uh, and First Secretary at the Permanent Mission of Canada to the United Nations. It's a whole lot to say. Yeah. Really, what it means is I was a, I guess, a military diplomat.
1: Okay. Well, regardless, Kent, it was the coolest because uh, <laughs> I got to go to New York City. That's where I proposed to my wife. And you were like, you and your wife, Leslie, were a huge part of that uh, whole thing. We stayed at your house, and you guys. Uh, I think you, you did the bottle uh, the bottle of champagne with the sword you popped the cork off with the did so yeah did so yeah, that, yeah, was a, yeah. that was a that was a great day you want to talk about military traditions that's a military tradition isn't it that is a military
0: tradition yeah, yeah. In, in, indeed um, uh, did you know when I got married to Leslie I had my sword in the champagne bottle and and uh, lopped off the end with the sword uh, when Dylan was born when you know any sort of uh, uh, occasion of importance where you want to really celebrate it and kind of give it some panache,
1: as it were. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there was panache. So when your
0: child is born, when your daughter is born, we'll do the same.
1: Uh, yes, thanks. Yeah, and I can't stop talking about her. You just mentioned her. I'm like, nope, no, nope, no. It's about it's <laughs> re- Remembrance Day today. It's not about your baby. Uh, I got to pull the reins in there, but thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. It's an exciting time for me. But the, the whole reason I bring up Kingston Kent is because... Um, I've always viewed, and you know, I love Kingston. I lived there on and off, just like you on and off for years. Um, and there's something that keeps bringing you back there. And I think there's something that keeps bringing me back there. Um, and, and for me anyways, confirm or deny, if it's the same case for you, I think it's the most patriotic city in Canada. I mean, to be fair, I haven't been any further west sorry alberta or bc i haven't seen the left coast but i uh feel like at least in this half of canada kingston's probably the most patriotic city what do you think i i,
0: I would i would give that uh i would give that some credence I, I was and i would agree with you for the most part uh having traveled most of canada as well i i find that Kingston's roots are very patriotic roots. Kingston was part of the beginnings of Canada and and what you know the, the building of Canada, the part of the building blocks of what Canada is yeah. now. Kingston was a part and parcel to that. So yeah, I would I would agree with that, but I would also I would also say that we have also grown up in small towns that are I would say even more patriotic. I think small yeah. towns in <laughs> in Canada across Canada yeah. are are probably the you know the the patriotic hot spots uh, across canada these are where our our men and women in uniform today and yesterday all came from uh, predominantly small towns where patriotism yeah. was still very important where families had uh you know had grown their roots were in uh in britain or in other countries that were at risk of, of falling to uh uh, to what we had you know at the time were just couldn't accept and so they they joined the military to fight against something that they believed in it, to stop something that was growing. and uh, you know World War one, World War II, even Korea, uh, even some of our Canadians that, that left and joined the American military during the Vietnam War, I mean there's there's probably 20,000 plus Canadians that left their homes and, and joined the US military to fight against, That perceived threat of communism. So I mean, I think, yes, Kingston is probably one of the most patriotic cities in Canada. Mm -hmm. But I think the hotbed of patriotism lies in our small towns and communities across Canada.
1: You got to run for office soon, pal. That was great. (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) I don't think Leslie would let me. No, I think if anyone's going to run for office, it's Leslie. Hello, yeah, the, mayor, the next mayor of Kingston. I would not put it <laughs> past her. And that's the other thing too. Speaking of patriotism, that is something I, I also said. You and Leslie are two of the most patriotic people I know, and that's why I wouldn't rather discuss patriotism with anyone else. Now, it now obviously there's roots in Kingston, but you talk about the small towns that we're from. I'm from Almont, Ontario, and you're from a similar sized town, Fergus, Ontario. Both yeah. have. Great Highland Games.
0: <laughs> well, very Scottish communities, you know, very yeah. much uh, a part of the let's just say the the uh, the British Empire fabric of what uh, you know, a part of how Canada was built upon. Uh, and, but there's just as much patriotism in Quebec and 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 those other uh, um, ethnic groups that form our West. I mean, there's there's a lot of of. of Real heartfelt patriotism, not only for their ethnic roots, but for what, you know, for mm-hmm. for the country that they have adopted and that, you know, the country itself has adopted them. And that's why we have such a diverse military today. I mean, we have we have everything. I mean, I'm, I'm honored to have served with some of the finest soldiers, uh, you know, that have come from all walks of life. And uh, that's probably been one of the one of the key moments of my 35 years in the military is the fact that I have. I have, I have commanded and have served with uh, amazing Canadians from all walks of life.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to speak of your service, Kent, like, I, you know, like, let's, I'll try and, you know, wrap it up quickly. But when I first met Kent, or I hadn't even met him, I knew who he was. I think I even stayed at your house, but you were already, you were deployed in Afghanistan. And that was when I first met you was right after you got back. Um, and, and so was it twice, two, in Afghan, two tours?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: a, a short tour after the first tour. Yeah. Right. Did, okay. Uh, yeah.
0: But, uh, probably a total of almost a year total for the two of them.
1: And then there was Eritrea.
0: Yeah. Did Eritrea. So, in, um, yeah. On the Red Sea, stationed on the Red Sea in between Ethiopia and Eritrea during, the, their civil war or their war, not a civil war. Yeah. Um, that was 2002,
1: and then yeah, was, were you in Rwanda too?
0: I did a small, a quick, uh, probably I was there for about yeah. uh, almost two months in that area in the Great yeah. Lakes region, Rwanda, Uganda. Um, and then I was in the Golan Heights for a year. That was my most recent tour. That was,
1: uh, that for me, I remember you getting home and that was right when ISIS was sort of becoming a thing in I Syria. I almost didn't get out of
0: Damascus because they were attacking the air, well, the, yeah, the the rebels were attacking the Damascus airport at the time, and and we were all sitting there, you know, all hunkered down, and the Syrian military was was uh, doing their thing, and and I was like, well, I'm going to be staying here a little longer. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't think you were coming home, I, honestly. And and there was another guy coming in on the, the rotation, as they say. Uh, I still got a few of my, I still know some of the terminology. Uh, guy, was, guy was coming in on rotation and, and you basically were like, good luck. on your, like, you're, You were getting on the plane being like, all right, this is the last flight out. Good luck to you, sir. Here's my freedom flight. I'm out of here. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. And to think that you could have gotten tangled up in that. Which, yeah uh,
0: well it was happened it's it started when I was there so the the Arab Spring in Syria started while yeah, I was there yeah, yeah and it was about 30 kilometers to the south of where our camp was in uh, in Syria and it was it was interesting to watch the the youth in Damascus they uh, it it was definitely something that you could see that they were they were struggling with and and I say that in a, in a, in a mm. With, with caution, because yeah. you know the the Al Assad uh, regime in in Syria is pretty powerful, and uh, while Damascus was certainly a very uh, non secular city, I mean we could go there was there was all kinds of people there, so yeah, um, from all walks of life and all religions, so it was a very interesting city, but you could see the desires of you know of the young people wanting more access to the Western world and this was definitely something that was going to be harsh on them and it's it's kind of sad because i think about all the places i would go and visit and the people that i met and you know you have no idea if they're still
1: alive or around today it just oh because a lot of
0: the city was destroyed so
1: yeah it was turned into swiss cheese and and the sad thing for me was when i was uh and and we can talk about this or not or whatever, but, uh, you know, well I had a brief civilian role with the forces and I remember when when that was wrapping up, I had sort of, I'd, I'd had this obsession with, with Syria. This is before any of that. And and I always loved Damascus as a city. I always thought it was interesting because like you say, it was so multi, multi multi-religion, multicultural, like for, Uh, a stronghold of the Middle East, if you will, or a stronghold of Muslim nations like Syria uh, or Islamic nations, um, you know, it was surprisingly to me, and again, look what reading a book did for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, like, oh, oh, you know, it's not all desert and war. There's a city, Damascus, before ISIS, before that whole civil war, um, it was the longest city untouched by war. Since the Crusades, even the Crusades, even the Crusades really didn't lay siege to damascus really or damage they, it, really. they did not they did not and so you had all these gothic or ancient churches ancient synagogues you had all sorts of different things that made it so like inherently from its roots multicultural i thought that was fascinating and i wanted a piece of that but <laughs> right as my contract was wrapping up and i was like ah, i might have <laughs> some free time maybe i'll go and go see damascus that's when the whole isis thing started and of course it was a no-fly yeah. zone no um, chance,
0: but, well, don't cut yourself short. I'll, you know, a plug for you. I mean, your, 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 your contribution to the war in Afghanistan from a Canadian perspective was, was very important. And, uh, what, uh, what you and your team did was, was certainly, uh, uh, regarded as, as highly important and it was successful, uh, to, to, uh, to the amount that we thought it would be successful. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I my mean, really, congratulations to you too. Boy. Thanks,
1: Ken. I I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, and I knew I was a very small cog in a massive machine uh during my time there and for those who don't know, uh I'll just give the Coles notes quickly. Um, there was a radio station in Afghanistan that I was the uh station manager for and uh it was my job to liaise with the Canadian forces and the Afghan National Forces to um get this radio station up to commercial standards to commercial radio broadcast standards and to help uh spread the message of peace and uh and help uh enable the youth of afghanistan uh, by listening to the radio and giving them information and also music and in a way uh you know the taliban even just having a pop music station in afghanistan was like a middle finger to the Taliban because they were, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they were just like, no, no music at all. Nothing enjoyment, no enjoyment, no music, no singing, no dancing. That was all against the law according to them. So even just by setting up a popular music station for Afghan teenagers to listen to was just like a, <laughs> oh, um, so yeah. yeah, thank you. And, and like it's I said it was so weird to, to have been part of that because I I don't like there's a handful of people who have that experience. Like a handful. that's, that's like, absolutely true, a handful. You can yeah. probably count them on your hands. I could name a couple of them, right? Um yeah. and, and that's about it. And and so the experience I got out of that and and the chance to travel um to various parts of the world to be educated uh through the Canadian forces like I remember I did the um uh, understanding Islam, uh, in the 21st century course of the British defense Academy. I was in Britain for weeks on end, uh, doing this whole thing. I mean, that to me was just like, the, the, I'll never replicate that experience in my lifetime. Mind blowing. Yeah, it really was. And it also opened up my eyes uh, not that I didn't have an appreciation for the forces before, but it really opened up my eyes to what a nuanced and important, like not just important, but like it, it, we don't exist without the forces, you know, we don't, we just don't, there's no, there's, there's no way to, to get around that. And, uh, and to see and hear the stories anecdotally from people, and even to see some of the metrics coming back and, and some of the stuff that I was exposed to, you know, to see the kind of good that we can do out there. I mean, that's a special thing, man. Yeah. I think thing. you
0: realize the importance of non-kinetic uh, power as well. As yes. Kinetic. Well, so it, it all works together It all, all it, you know, when you fire that, uh, and you pull that trigger, it all goes to the same place and yeah. has the same intent. So, well, so yeah, you were just as much part of that success as the rest of us.
1: The, and that's the other thing that it really opened my eyes. You want to talk about opening eyes and it, and I almost feel like it was amazing training for the year that was 2020 was to understand messaging and information, oh, yeah. information operations, <laughs> sure. psychological operations, messaging campaigns. And, and really what it is, is just sneaky ass marketing. Uh, it's really what, you know, when you think about it. Um, and, and so, you know, to have all these questions now in 2020 or even 2019 or even the last four or five years uh, about like, what am I really reading? What am I really seeing? Is this for real? Is this fake? Is this real? You know, to have had that sort of military training and exposure to information campaign, I know exactly what I'm looking at. I know exactly yeah. how to cut right through and what, what websites to go to to fact check it or, you know, like I've got the tools to really be self-sufficient in this, uh, the, an InfoWars, not to quote that stupid, uh, <laughs> that other YouTube, <laughs> he's banned from YouTube, by the way, but anyways, <laughs> but in this InfoWars age uh, yeah. that we're in, um, it, gave, it really did, uh, you know, equip me for that. So, I mean, like, again, like, The things that I've received from the military, it's so funny you say, like, I had a part to it. I feel like I still took more than I gave to the effort. And I know that's probably not true. But the the value that I have in my own personal life uh, and and the skill set that I developed. You
0: you recognize just how influential misinformation can be. And you see how it is not only affecting people south of the border, but our own population being affected and 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 taking sides on information that is that could be true but for the most part is false and and just not even considering that it could be false they're just accepting it as as is without any sort of of analysis or or really taking a second thought going Right. Or and at the end of the day you know, as I, I tell a lot of my friends here who are really emotionally attached to this argument not, and it's like yeah. at the end of the day it doesn't matter who is in power, liberal, yeah. conservative whatever, yeah. our lives do not drastically change from one government to another I mean let's be honest, in Canada oh, yeah. we're very fortunate yes. but our lives do not change that dramatically so glad due that. to a change in government and I'm not so sure it does down south of the border either but you know uh, it's it's crazy but it. but ideologically we're we're people off wanted topic, to
1: my no it, hey listen listen the the no the divisiveness of the day uh in incorporates and filters into everything um but um but yes you're right it is it is all about the spirit of of tomorrow and November the 11th and I'm glad you're wearing a poppy look at me what a jackass I don't have it on it's on my coat I swear uh, there you go but
0: you I can- You don't have to put it on now. I know you have one because you're a very patriotic person yourself.
1: Thanks, Kent. Thank you. Um, And the other thing I want to mention, too, is uh, that first time that Kent and I met. uh, (laughs) I remember the exact moment and we were like bros from day one, I think. But it was at the Spencerville Highland Games. That was the first time that you got back from Afghanistan and you were there. And I finally met you in person. And I was like, I've heard so much about you. I've slept in your house. Even I drank your rum while you weren't there. (laughs) (laughs) And finally I got to put a face to the name, man. And so it's, it's been a wild ride just knowing you this whole time, man. It's been awesome. I appreciate
0: that. It's been a good ride.
1: Yeah. And so tomorrow, what does tomorrow look like for you I know it's usually an incredibly busy day. I know that when you, when Kent walks into the Fergus Legion, it is like Fergus's favorite son has come home. Uh, uh, are you going to be in Fergus or there's nothing going on or what is, what's no, going on?
0: No, there's, there, well, the, the Legion is going to have a small, very private um, service at the Cenotaph, but they are, you know, like like every other community, it's please do not come to the Cenotaph. Please yeah. do not gather uh, even here in Kingston, the, the message is: please do not gather. Watch it on TV. Watch it on a live feed. Um, you know, it's sad that we have to, I guess, uh, congregate at, at, on a very special day for Canadians in this in this manner. But it is the safest way to right. observe the day. And I, you know, those who have fallen uh, before us, uh, I, th- I think would. You know, they would not argue with any, any of this at all. They would probably be very respectfully saying, please don't harm yourselves just to honour us. Yeah. And I think that's another part of the, another part of the, the message of the day is, is their sacrifice should be, should be honoured and we should not harm ourselves uh, to, uh, to desecrate their memory.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, um, an important factor is, is, again, there was a sacrifice made and and that sacrifice was made for us to do the most with our our lives and our society and and yeah by staying in we're doing the most it's so anti what we're used to uh you know it's been a whole year of just hey stay on the couch you're being patriotic um but it's well, true but if you're going if you're going to carry the
0: torch that they have given us in their sacrifice then part of it is we need to fight this pandemic and that means you know listen to what the science is saying yeah and it it do your part carry that torch to you know to to fight this pandemic the best way we can and and that and that is protect one another respect one another and 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 do the right thing for one another
1: and and also support the legion though uh because i've seen some of the numbers across canada and uh, and more legions than not are not doing well and back to the small town hometown you know i know the legion is like a, a pillar of our communities and and has done so much it's time for us to give back to them for all the things that they've done for our communities too and and i feel like i learned to play bagpipes as a young kid in the basement of the legion you know uh, and that was where i got my start on that instrument and and i know countless other kids too have received instruction whether it's through cadets or legion pipe bands uh you know and sure there are some civilian pipe bands or or not or you know just just regular pipe bands that that have excellent teaching systems but i think it's a shame that some of the legions don't anymore and i think that uh you know it's 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 something that is real deep for me is that that's a big part of our communities and i would hate to see any of them get shuttered up right
0: yeah I mean, sadly, with time, I think it, it is an or, it is a institution that, that that may run its course because, yeah. you know, after World War One or World War II in Korea, for that matter, yeah. you know, the soldiers came home. You know, they, they, they signed up for the period that, that was required, whether it was two years, three years, four years. Um, but they came and they were all very young they, and, and were just starting if they did, you know, come home, they were just starting their careers. Mm. And the legion was a place they could go and be together, and uh, but it was also a place where they could uh, network for for work for jobs. Mm-hmm. But the lads and the lasses all came home. Soldiers today, you know. I look at myself, for example. I mean, I I did thirty five years of across Canada, and I didn't. I didn't. I'm not going to settle back home. I'm settling in Kingston, where. You know where my family is, and a lot of soldiers uh, and uh, sailors and air air people—they all do the same thing. It's like after they do thirty-five years, they've watched their kids grow up in wherever they are. They don't go home to to small town Saskatchewan or yeah. small town Manitoba or Ontario. They they stay where their family is because they right. want to watch them grow and participate in that in that in that environment. So this is a piece of the Legion that is is sadly it, it is it is dying. Now yeah. I still am a member of the Legion because I think it's an important part of how that institution supports our veterans and I and I do believe uh, you know they do they do the best job they can. And yes, you know, the the big complaint within the community as well. It's all civilians that are that are in the Legion. There's no military people. I'm going, well, "Well, whose fault is that?" Yeah. I mean, we as the military, if we want the Legion to support us in our retirement, as as veterans then then we should be supporting the legion and and helping the institution out so yeah it's another one of those i i, I you know it's a misinformation campaign almost you know <laughs> oh it's yeah. a horrible thing they do, do they yeah. don't do this they don't do that and going well mm. if you want it to be better join it and, yeah. and participate that's 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 that would be my message to uh, uh to to my brothers and sisters in, in uniform but for, for across Canada, yes. I mean, it is something that I think is important. We should support it. They do good work. Uh, you know, these are the people that visit our, our veterans who are lying in hospital beds who maybe don't yeah. have family anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would, I would, every time I, I even here in Kingston, you know, I, you know, if I, through the, through the veterans community, I would, I would, I would reach out and, and say, well, you know, what can I do? What, how can I help? But uh and sometimes all it is is just going and visiting them if you can. I know you can't right now, but yeah. you know, and holding their hand and saying thank you, and, and and just having a little chat, which is sometimes all it really needs to 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 bring someone out of a of out of a funk. Or perhaps that's the last person they see before they pass.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, and I can't tell you how many times as a youth, back when we even still had World War One veterans. I mean, I guess that says how old I am too. But I remember as a youth playing pipes in the in the Legion. And I remember back then there was smoking in the Legion, so there would just be blue clouds everywhere. You couldn't see all you could see was like the Lebat fifty beer tap glowing through the blue smoke, That's right. you know. Uh, and, and the only ones that drank it were the World War One veterans. Exactly, yeah. And- and and so i uh you know i remember that and but playing pipes in that smoke too playing bagpipes and they would always be requesting all the up over the hill and all these old tunes that i didn't know as a kid and i had to go to the pipe major and say hey they want to hear this one do you know this one um but i i just remember that was a fond memory of mine it's just getting all these these veterans yelling out requests even if i didn't know them i found the guy that did um but like you know i i just remember that so fondly and um just the spirit that those people had too uh like those World War 1 vets you know like that what they were a different tough breed man in, indeed oh, I, would yeah. with, I would agree i agree
0: these are people who have soft too have, <laughs> they have gone through things we could never imagine i yeah. i thought humping a, a rucksack around afghanistan <laughs> was bad but I, what they went through was probably just horrendous yeah oh, i just I couldn't imagine living in a trench They would just just well, not uh
1: it's unbelievable. Afghanistan was the war that defined me and my generation for sure. I was nineteen, almost yeah. twenty, or between nineteen and twenty when the World Trade Center attacks happened, and and that for me, uh, you know, I think about. I wrote this on my Facebook today, my personal Facebook. That you know, there's all that iconic in- imagery of World War One, World War Two, and the trenches and the black and white grainy footage. But still, for me, I think of insurgency warfare. I think that's that's yeah. that's the modern day warfare now um and i think when we talk about the lads and lasses coming back home you know i I don't think there's as many going away anymore it's not in droves like they used to is am i wrong with that in the numbers that's just anecdotal but um you know in that in that there isn't this mass exodus and then mass return um in that yeah okay yeah um in that and then insurgent warfare has created this sort of small (laughs) units moving around kind of warfare
0: This is, this is the case and it's, uh, uh, it is a different form of, of warfare for sure. It is a more difficult form of warfare Mm -hmm. and it is, it is a, it is a time and place type of warm warfare, you know, making an impact, making a a psychological impact as, as you well know. And, uh, so it is a different, it is a different world, uh, you know, altogether than what, uh, world war one and two and yeah. uh korea were uh were all about yeah. so yeah it yeah it afghanistan is pretty you know like for the for the two of us it, it it is the it is the war of our time and you know i i lost i lost a very good friend that i grew up with from fergus uh and i also lost a cousin mm-hmm. um he was uh he he was in 2008 uh, john john snyder was a. Uh, a young captain with the Patricias, and uh, he uh, he was awarded the uh, Star of Military Valor, like one step down from a Victoria oh, Cross, yeah. uh, for his actions. But sadly, he was he was killed during those actions against the Taliban, uh, saving his own soldiers and this and, and Afghanistan soldiers um, from you know during that, that pitched battle and uh my my buddy brent that i grew up with he was uh he was with one of the first aurora aircraft that went in and did a lot of the reconnaissance and surveillance activity flying over afghanistan and uh, he succumbed to uh to wounds because of the uh, the chemicals that they use in uh in the aircraft so he he, he got cancer and, and died of his uh, uh died of that thing but that's these are the. You know to go fast to make things move quickly you 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 cut corners and we we don't have the same sort of safety factors imposed in in a sort of peacetime environment so uh these are the risks that we all choose to accept when we when we uh, put on that uniform and uh although it's it is always sad to not see our friends and family come home uh it is, it is as you you know as we have both said today you know tomorrow is the day that we, we come together as a nation and we, we honor their sacrifice yeah. and we honor uh, their service to our country.
1: Yeah, well, th- I'm glad you mentioned those names, Kent. And uh, I know everybody um, you know, in Canada knows somebody or, or knows somebody that knows somebody or has family and, and uh, who they've lost in, in any number of these conflicts, uh, even peacekeeping missions. And yeah, it's it's sad. And it's sad even just for me to hear you say their names and, and talk about them, man. It's, it's tough and I'm sorry for that loss. Um, but thank you and thanks to them for the sacrifice and, and for all your hard work. We're going to wrap things up. i want to wrap things up on a funny note uh, for those who are seeing Kent uh, through the screen, by the <laughs> way, Kent, you've retired from the military now and you work for Calian, which, which is uh yeah, which is a civilian contract company that also works for the forces. So,
0: <laughs> well, we provide, yeah, we're a contract for, well, we, I manage contracts that are military in nature. So yeah. for instance at RMC and, uh, uh, on the base here in Kingston, but we're across Canada. Yeah. And you know, what the nice thing is, is that Callion, uh, does hire a lot of veterans, which is, yes. uh, uh, you know, really good on them. And, uh, um, so it's, and it's, I have enjoyed my, my first year of working with the company. It's yeah. been excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like I, uh, we were talking about my civilian role. I worked for Callion as well. They That's were, correct, yeah. they were the headhunters or the, the people who managed me, if I could be even managed. <laughs> Anyway, we'll wait and see when that daughter's born. You'll be well managed. Oh, I'm already. Oh, you don't even know. I'm already well managed. But okay, so we're gonna go out on a laugh. I think it's a laugh. No, before before you start that though. Okay. So I
0: just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show off a little bit of. Okay. I don't know if you can see. Tell me you see that.
1: Wow! Look at that. Are those? Those are all yours.
0: No, no. So from top, the top over here. This is my great-grandfather's oh my medals God. from World War One, My grandfather's medals from World War Two. This would be my uncle's, great-uncle's medals. He oh was a RAF, RCAF Spitfire pilot. and But he was killed on the 30th of November in '43. yeah. yeah, yeah. And those are mine. Oh,
1: my God, Kent. That so is a,
0: a family of service, which I'm very proud of. I
1: was going to say, yeah, it's a family affair. And, and yeah, it, yeah. And obviously... That is, it was jaw-dropping. I was like, those can't all be yours. <laughs> For and Leslie there. was awarded a
0: medal as well last summer. Oh, she deserves movie. a medal.
1: You should see Kent when his skin is melting off. <laughs> That's... A- that's an inside joke, but anyways. <laughs> anyway, thank you for letting me have a little, you know, show you a you laugh. That, that. Oh, buddy.
0: They hang, they hang up at the bar in the house, which is nice. It's always something to talk about.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kent's bar, his basement is incredible. How's the shed coming, by the way, now that we're just well, having it? It'll be ready for the summertime when you come and visit with the wee one. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so here's the laugh I want to wrap up on. If Kent looks in this screen familiar to you, and you thought that maybe we were going to talk about the NFL today, well, then you you wouldn't be wrong, because take a look at Howie. There he is. Howie Long on the screen, Fox Sports. You guys, no relation. No relation?
0: No. Well, when I was in New York, and I I would get stopped in the streets, especially uh, when the Super Bowl was there, I go to get stopped in the street and ask, and people would say, can I get a picture with you? And I'd say, you know, I'm not Howie Long. You <laughs> look like and I said, I'm Howie's cousin. I'm the better looking one.
1: <laughs> there it is. One more time. There it is for the cheap seats. <laughs> it's so good. Kent, thank you so much. My friend, my favorite no, veteran, thank you, Kent Stewart. Thanks again, man. And uh, we'll see you sooner than later. Okay. Hope so. Take care.